Okay, are we ready? Now that we have a few outtakes. <laughs> All right, three, two, showtime. Welcome to episode six of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on today's cast is my co-host, Scary Cat Dan. Yay, yay. And Nonsensical Tiffany. Hello. All right. That was so prim and proper. Hello. That's that's me. Don't you know me, Dan? She I'm plays elevensies. Oh, yes. She's learned how to be a lady. In my spare time, I collect sugar cubes and win all the spoons. Exactly. <laughs> so once this nonsense is done, so thank you all for joining us for episode six. If you're a returning listener or if this is your first time, welcome. Today we're going to be getting into a little bit about what we've been playing. Then we're going to do a review of the game Run, Fight, or Die. And then we're going to round out the show with a Board Game Geek quiz where I will test my co-hosts here on their BGG knowledge. Ugly. Yes. Question one, is BGG ugly? Yes. You get a point. Congrats. I win, all the points. I win all the points. Well, moving forward, Dan, what have you been getting into? So I had a chance this week to play um, a game called Ginger Dead House. This is a game that's going to be on Kickstarter. I guess by the time this podcast releases, this will be, uh, be live, the campaign for this. Uh, this is a game from the company We Make Games, which is pretty self-explanatory they make games oh i get it you get it now yeah they make games um so ginger dead house is essentially a tower defense game uh set in the world of the grim fairy tales so players will be competing um i guess against their board and as well as against each other to uh, protect their gingerbread house from the onslaught of the witch's minions. So each player has a 4x5 gridded board um, that they are trying to protect using a deck of cards that they have, which has uh, defenses and different tricks, which are instant actions, um, in it. So on your turn, you're basically going to be flipping over an action card, which has a um, ability that needs to resolve, and then a number of monsters that will enter your grid. So think plants versus zombies um, in board game form. So these monsters will come out in the various um, rows and then advance towards you um, accordingly. So the game is it's cool. It's very lighthearted. The, the art is, is pretty amazing. It's really cool looking. Um, and that really um, helps out the fact that this game is extremely take that. And that is what they were going for when talking to the designers. Um, it's, it's not a game if your, your feelings are hurt easily. Um, because there's a lot of cards that allow you to kill other players' defenses, swap your rows with other players' rows. So it's very back and forth. A lot of player interaction. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's very light. It doesn't take itself serious, like I said, at all. Um, so I, I enjoyed it for what it is. It's really good. How many players does it play up to? Plays two to four players. Okay. Um, I really dig the idea of tower defense board games, but I have yet to see one that actually does it well. And again, this one, I mean, when I was playing it the whole time, all I could think of was Plants vs. Zombies. You've got the, the four different rows, and they're advancing one row at a time or four different lanes, and they're coming one row at a time. Yeah. And you're placing defenses in the different squares. Once a monster runs into the defense, whoever has the highest power after the abilities resolve, if they are, that that person stands their ground and then keeps going. So for your defenses, do you have, like I'm thinking tower defense video games, do you have just an open repertoire, or do you have like a hand of cards that's like randomized? You have a hand of five cards. You can play one through five of those cards, then you draw back up to five every okay. turn. So, But each player has the same deck of cards. Okay. So the same defenses and the same ability. So if somebody kills one of your defenses, you know at some point you're going to be able to kill one of theirs because you have that same card. Um, one downside, and, and this is a small thing because the game is rather quick, uh, is there is player elimination. So the, the goal of the game is to be 
the last person standing. Um, but that that didn't seem to affect us too much. I know when we played last time, Smee got eliminated first, but within within ten minutes, Steve and I had knocked each other senseless, mm-hmm. and um, Steve nice. wound up winning. So yeah, definitely um, stay tuned for this one. We're going to be doing a full review of it um, in the next week or so, and that'll definitely be released by the time this podcast is out. Cool. Well, Tiff, you are our resident proper lady, and I hear you've been playing Bella the Ball. Yeah, I finally got a chance to unbox my Kickstarter copy of Bell of the Ball. Um, I backed it last year. Um, it's by Daniel Solis and Dice Hate Me Games with beautiful art from Jackie Davis, who is basically the Bell of the Ball of board game art right now. She really is. God, she draws everything. All the oh. characters. And awesome. just awesome. That's one of the great parts about the game is just all the different character art. But... Um, yeah, finally got a chance to get it out, and if you don't know anything about it, it's basically uh, a card drafting type of game where you are party hosts and you're trying to get guests from your party that have similar interests. So you start with three groups, and there are two lines of cards that you're drafting from. One are just guests, and the other are the bell cards. And on your turn, you can take from either one of those lines. You can either take the first one in the line for free, or you can play your regret cards to take ones further up the line. So the regrets are kind of like your currency that you're playing. And if you take a guess that has regrets next to them from previous players, you get those to add into your hand to use. So like, you're just, yeah. I was going to say, it's like, it's like small world in that way, isn't it? Where you... If you don't want to take a race, you pay a coin and then you skip over it and you can take the next one. But if someone comes and takes the one before it, they get the coins kind of thing. Right, yeah. Yeah. So you're just trying to get guests that have similar symbols. And once your group has four guests in it, you score um, whatever the matching symbols are. So if I have two hearts, each of those scores a point. And then between the four cards, three cheese, each of those scores a point. Uh, And then you're just trying to, you play until all the guests are gone and see who has the most points at the end of the game. It's really simple and really enjoyable. How long does the game run? Oh, I'd say it was probably... A half hour, maybe slightly under that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it seems pretty quick. Can we talk briefly about the names of the characters? Oh, they're fantastic. I can't pronounce a single one of them. <laughs> they're so crazy. Like, one guy's name is like L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O Fuzzy Pants or something what? like that. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're insane. Like, they make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> It's like it was like uh, it's like Daniel like found one of those name generators online and just set it to like complete wacky and just hit submit. Well, when when it was in the middle of the Kickstarter campaign, he was giving you your own crazy name. It was fun. Like the one of them is like Meow Smith Mutterhut. They're all like kind of alliterative, capable Kankler Rack or something like that. Like they're just all weird alliterative. I can't, I can't say them out loud. They are so tough. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like them. Uh, I think it's cute and no, it's very, and, it's very yeah. cool. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful game. I can't wait to get my copy out. Cool. Yeah, I, I really like it. It's great. Excellent. So one of the things that, uh, one of the other games that we've all been playing, I think, is Quicks. And I'm actually going to pull right from the BGG description here to tell you guys a little bit about this because they have a nice, concise. Um, description. So Quix is a dice game in which everyone is participating even when it's not your turn. So everyone has a score sheet with the numbers 2 to 12 in rows of red and yellow and then 12 to 2 in rows of green and blue. And in this game to score points you want to mark off as many as the numbers as possible. However many numbers you mark off will correspond to a certain number of points. But you can only mark off a number if it's to the right of all the other marked off numbers in the same row. So if that makes sense to you, you're kind of getting a feel for you're rolling these dice and then you're going to choose some of these dice um, to mark off numbers on your score sheet. So when it's your turn, roll them all, the two white dice and the four colored dice. Each player can choose to mark off the sum of two white dice on one of their four rows. Then the active player can choose to mark off the sum of one colored die and one white die in the row that's the same color as the die. So this is actually giving the active player two chances to mark off a number on their turn. Um, The more marks you can make in a row, the higher your score will be for for that row. 
And the trick here in Quicks is that you can never go back. Once you mark a, a number, you can never mark a number that's to the left of it, lower or higher, depending on the colored row. Um, and really, this game is really quick, and it's a whole lot of fun. Um, it's got that Yahtzee feel. It's really simple to explain when you've got the visual in front of you. So once you can show someone how to play the game, I don't think you'd, you'd have a problem picking it up. Verbally here, it's a little bit tougher, um, but with the score sheet in front of you and the dice in front of you, it makes a whole lot of sense. And you just go turn by turn, and given that you're always able to cross off a number on somebody else's turn, or you have the opportunity to, it means that you're always engaged, which in games like this can be a problem when you're playing something like Zombie Dice or Yahtzee or, or one of those. Sometimes you're just watching people roll dice, but in this one, you've always got the option to participate. And... We have turned it into a habit of always playing two games because the score sheets are, are double-sided. So whenever we finished one, we always flip it over and like, let's play again. Um, so we've really enjoyed it. What do you guys think? Well, I recently brought the, this to my um, middle school board game club and I wasn't really sure what they'd think of it because it's kind of just rolling dice and kind of mathy a little bit. And... Um, there's not theme, right? It, that's why it feels like Yahtzee. It kind of has that classic game theme or feel to it. So I, I pulled it out, but I was surprised at how much the kids really, really liked it. And they were asking for it the following week after I introduced it. So it got a really good reception, and I like it a lot. Nice. I love it. <laughs> well, it is a Mensa select. Simply put. And that is what Dan goes for. And that was a Mensa yes. answer. Short, sweet, to the point. Well, right. love is a very subjective term, so I don't know that people who are Mensa use love. I They're think we might people. be alienating our Mensa audience. <laughs> For all the smart people out there, I love you. Ah, killing me. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to jump back in here, actually. Since Quix was a game that we've all played, I'm actually going to talk about a game that I think only I have played recently, and that's Mage Wars, and Dan and Tiffany can now go to sleep for a few minutes. Um, so Mage Wars is the first and before Sheriff of Nottingham was the only release from Arcane Wonders and this is basically magic plus summoner wars um, so it's a board game where you're manipulating cards around the board dueling mages trying to kill the other person um, it's basically like what I always wanted magic to be because magic is a simulation of two uh, planeswalkers dueling with casting creatures and stuff but you never really get that feel like you do on this because this is all real space on the board and you're moving around and attacking and defending accordingly it's got dice rolling which i love um and then it's got the really unique mechanic of a spell book instead of a deck so basically you build your deck and then you put it into this uh book with binder pages and your entire deck is available to you each turn you draw two of those per turn and those are the two cards that you have to work with, but you get to choose them, so no more worrying about bad card draw and top decking and things like that. You're really much more in control of the battle, and for an Ameritrash, like, beat-em-up wizard game, I really think that Mage Wars is a go-to. It runs a little long, um, and it's a little tricky to explain on first play, but once you get into it, there's such cool combinations and all the the thematic elements and the the world that they've built around this game is really cool and immersive so i really dig it neat i like it <laughs> <laughs> all right so and that's really all we've been playing lately so we can actually move right in to our review of run fight or die we're going to take a quick break and then come back with that For today's review, we're going to take a look at Run, Fight, or Die from designer Richard Launius, who's also designed Arkham Horror, Defenders of the Realm, and Elder Sign, just to name a few. This comes from 8th Summit, who have also released games such as Agents of Smirsh, so um, they have successfully navigated the Kickstarter waters. This was also a Kickstarter project, um, for those interested. Uh, this game is interesting in that, it, it, for me, it kind of resembles Elder Sign. Um, one of his other games. This, but this is a more of a first-person experience of an oncoming zombie 
raid? What do you call it? A apocalypse horde. horde. So in Run Fighter Die, you and the other players are defending your town against the zombie onslaughts. Um, so the objective, like any zombie game, is to basically just survive. Um, you want to be able to defeat all the zombies and go home happy or dead. So you choose, basically. In the game, you are going to take on the role of a character. Each character has different player powers. And the zombies are going to advance on your player board. So each player board has three different zones. And they will move accordingly um, through various actions and events during the game. There are four phases in the game. You have the action phase, the zombie advance phase, the hunt phase, and then you check for end game conditions. Uh, the action phase, there are two types of dice. You have one event die and five action die. So what you're going to do is you're going to roll off all six of them together, and then you're going to resolve the event die first. The event die is the gray one. This has both good and bad um, actions or events that will take place. Uh, you resolve that accordingly, and then you go on to the push your luck aspect of this game, which is the five action dice that you've rolled. Um, like push your luck games, you have a chance to re-roll these and keep some as you see fit. Uh, each of the six sides has a different uh, icon on it, which corresponds to a different action, which allows you to either beat up on the zombies or draw you know, locations and followers from the different decks, as well as gain more zombies, uh, which is never fun in this game. So once you've done your actions, you then go into the zombie advance phase. The zombie advance phase um, moves all zombies forward one zone. So as I mentioned before, there's three zones and then your player board. So three goes to two, two goes to one, one goes onto your player board. Uh, those that come onto your player board that haven't been defeated will cause a wound to your character. Each character has a varying number of wounds they can take before they die. Uh, and dying is one of the end game triggers and that's not fun. Um, so after the zombies then uh, advance, you have the hunt phase. In the hunt phase, uh, what you're doing is you're adding more zombies to your board. So you're going to add a base three zombies, and then you'll add one zombie for each zombie symbol you roll during the um, the action phase. After the hunt phase, then you go into the check end game conditions phase. So there's a couple of things that can happen here. Um, if you've gained five followers um, throughout the game, you declare the last round, and then all players get one last turn. And then there's a couple other ways that you can trigger endgame. So like I said before, if one character dies or if the town line location is drawn, the town line um, has a set criteria that if it's met when the card is drawn, it then ends the game. If not, it's then reshuffled into the location deck again and um, play continues. And then there's also the mutant zombie. So there's different events that could bring out a super zombie, which then goes around terrorizing all the different players. Uh, he has 20 hit points, and if you manage to do 20 damage to him, that also triggers the end game. So that's uh, Run, Fighter Die in a very quick and brief nutshell. Um, so let's talk about what we like and dislike about the game. So I'll start with Tiffany. Tiffany, I know you are a huge Richard Launius fan, maybe even a stalker. Okay, uh, now. <laughs> Let's not start with that. <laughs> I am just a fan. He's made some of my games that are high up on my list. So Sure. Um, and I like push-your-luck games, so this is just right up my alley. Uh, what I really like about it, one of the big things, is the different characters you can play are all like horror movie tropes, like the prom queen and... The army vet and the woodsman. I have the expansions that come with even more of these characters. The sassy secretary. Um, they're just kind of neat. Neat art. I like minis. It comes with a ton of them. That's kind of where like I'm loving Kickstarter. Because I think if this game were just published by a newbie publisher without Kickstarter... It could have been very easily tokens because so many zombies are coming at you during the game. Um, it would have been much cheaper to just make cardboard chits. But the fact that you have all these zombie miniatures coming at you on your player board, it's a lot more immersive and it adds tension somehow to the game just to have those real actual plastic zombies coming at you. No, I, I completely agree. Having the 
it's it's kind of like in Den of Winter. Like you, they're cardboard standees, but they give it that three dimensional presence. And when you see in this game, particularly when you see all the different miniatures <laughs> in the different zones coming right at you in that kind of first person perspective, um, it's like oh crap, you know, I need to get rid of some of these guys. So it it definitely uh it I guess lends that tension, like you said. And gives a, a bit more perspective to you and in, in how quickly you're going to die if you don't take care of things. I mean, to me, that's what zombie movies, zo- zombie books are kind of all about, is just that relentless horde coming at you. And it really gives you that feel. So it's very thematic. Yeah, I can agree with that. What about you, Matt? I think that's one of my favorite things about the game is the theme, the strength of theme, I guess. Because, like Tiffany said, zombie movies are all about just being out of the grasp of the zombie horde. Um, Zombie fiction, when you're kind of engrossed in it, you see that the characters are constantly being confronted with the zombie menace. You know, it's not like people just hold up and hide out. Um, They're always right there. And in this game, the zombies are always right there. (laughs) Because even if you have a great turn and you've cleared your board or you've handled, you know, zone one for this turn... Right at the end of your turn, you're adding more zombies. So the tension is always building and always coming right at you, which is cool. And you even get like that. Um, there's even like a spatial feel to the fact that you have to move the zombies closer to you because yeah. your player board sits near you. Um, you're actually it feels like you're moving zombies towards you. Um, I also like I don't know how I feel about the art just yet, but I do feel like it's it's interesting and unique and it's kind of got this like really kind of obscured, almost kind of like hysteric feel. Like when I look at these cards of the characters and things like that and the followers that you have, it's kind of like over-the-top zombie style, and I, I kind of like that. It's um, it's not quite like super realistic, and it's also not like zombie side where you're on roller skates with chainsaws. So it's definitely, it feels, even though it's within the zombie um, the zombie realm, it doesn't quite feel like any other zombie game that I've played. Gives you like a Tarantino kind of feel. You yeah, know I mean? like the. It's campy. Yeah, it's it's a little over the top, but it's still somewhat realistic. I feel yeah. like it's fear and loathing in Zombie Land kind yes, of thing. Exactly. Like, <laughs> there you go. Um, With their like distorted mouths and stuff. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Now, gameplay wise, other than moving the zombies, now this is just kind of like a push your luck game, but it does do interesting things with the use of the six symbols so you've got guns that can shoot far away you've got bats that can only shoot up close and then you've got different um things that let you search your bat shoots what did i say that (laughs) (laughs) whoops you always had a way cooler player power than i (laughs) yeah my bat (laughs) shoots shotgun shells um no, I mean, so that aside, I do think that the dice, like, they've taken something that's pretty much a staple in push-your-luck games, and they, they've they done, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's completely original, but it's innovative enough to feel kind of different and kind of new, um, It, but it's also easy enough to pick up because it is push-your-luck, and it feels familiar enough, so it's it lends on both sides of that fence. Yeah, and, and with, the, with the action dice themselves, um, one symbol... Is, does one thing, but then for like for instance the Book of the Dead or the search symbol, multiple symbols kind of increase. So there's an escalating power to yeah. having multiple symbols, which is kind of cool because it gives you a little more choice. It's like, okay, do I want to roll and get that third search icon so I can do both a follower draw and a location draw, or do I just keep it at one and take one or the other? So the the different the escalation within the um, the different symbols themselves was pretty cool. It's also nice in that sense that other than the zombie symbols, when you roll a zombie symbol, it locks up your die and you can't re-roll it. Every other die is useful, even if you only roll one of them. So there's a significant lack of like dead dice, basically, not to make a pun, but you're not wasting dice on your turn where something like King of Tokyo, if you roll a one and you don't get two other ones, that's a waste of a die. But at least here, even though it's not the most powerful action, a search symbol will still get you something. A Book of the Dead gets you something. As long as there's zombies right in front of you, you can shoot them with your baseball bat. Uh, (laughs) So I do like that. It sounds like something like Casey Jones would do in the Turtles. (laughs) Make a bat that shoots. Shoot you with a baseball bat. And touching on the the theme, I thought another really cool thematic element was the the ability to flee. So we mentioned before, and I, I forgot to mention this in the well, I mentioned it before, but I forgot to mention 
the full aspect of the zombie dice. So when those zombie dice lock up, you can't re-roll them, but you have the ability to flee from them. And what that means is you can draw from this deck of flee cards, and um, they all have kind of a thematic element to them in that you can either escape the zombie or perhaps you don't. Uh, escape all of them and you have to add one more to your board so that's another aspect outside of the rolling the dice that you get to push your luck in as well it's like okay i rolled three zombie symbols i really want to roll those dice again so i'll take i'll risk taking the flea card which could do all kinds of bad things to you um in order to try and re-roll those dice so i thought that was pretty cool yeah and i like the the followers they have so you're trying to rescue followers because they give you points at the end of the game. And they also give you bonuses and special abilities. But at the same time, a lot of them have um, like penalties on them. So, for example, if you get the stoner mechanic, he's worth three points. And he very awesomely um, lets you... He has a motorcycle, so you can move two zombies back from zone two at the start of your turn just for free. But he's also like, chill, man. So you don't get to re-roll twice. You only get to re-roll once. Yep. Yeah. Or the lady who's she's so loud that every turn she attracts another zombie. A screaming waitress. <laughs> a screaming waitress, yeah. Or the uh, the old grandma who you have to roll a run symbol every turn or something or else she falls behind yeah. and gets eaten. You know what I love about that character is that she's holding a bowl of hard candy. <laughs> That's another like Shouldn't thing of the art. Should be creepy grandpa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They were really, like, spot-on thematically and mechanically, though. Like, that was the, one of the first things that Dan told me was, when he got this game. He was like, it's it's a zombie game, it's cool, but these these followers, which are basically your win condition, usually, um, they've got such interesting powers, like hindrances and benefits. Um, so I always I appreciated that whenever we pulled them out, and it, it helps you get into the game even more, because you're like, God, my, my waitress keeps screaming and keeps drawing all these damn zombies my way. Um, it's just, it's cool in that sense. All right. So I think, and I think we touched on it before, but it's, it's a very easy to learn game. It's not something you're going to have to sit through and shuffle through a huge rule book, um, to get through the things. I think, you know, you can get the gist of it from about three pages in the rule book and it's something once you've read it, it's easy to teach. Um, it's something you can get started on the table within like three to five minutes. And there's a player aid. So if you know how to play this kind of game, once you have that brief overview, it's just here's what the dice do. Yeah. Consult a player aid until you know it off the top of your head. Yeah. And that player aid, I'll touch on that in my, my dislikes because I think there's a, a side to that that I mm. I didn't care. Well, we can actually move into that now. Yeah. We can talk right. about a little a couple of things we didn't like. Tiff, anything off the top of your head? You're asking the wrong person. I, I can't really think of too much that I dislike Lonis about the does game. no wrong. <laughs> it's so true. He rolls all the right dice. Okay. That sounds <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Why is that creepy? I don't know. It just sounds... He, like touches sus- all the right dice. That's okay, like- well, now it sounds creepier. Way to take it the extra mile, Dan. <laughs> too far. Too, too far. far. Too soon. Well, Dan, so uh, Tiffany sees no wrong in Run, Fight, or Die. How about you? I I don't see a lot. Um, I'm, I'm going to admit I don't like zombie games. So I guess if you put zombie theme as a dislike. Um, and that's specifically because they're icky. They're icky and they're smelly and they look like just melting popsicles. I don't know what that He means. doesn't like melting popsicles. I don't either. like No, they have to be cold. Anyways, I digress. So um, the one thing, and this isn't a this isn't a dislike, so to speak, but this game is hard. I mean, <laughs> we've played it a lot, and it is it's brutal. But at the same time, that's a like of mine. I think that it, I didn't touch on because well, living through a zombie apocalypse feel. is hard. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, and that's true. I do throw in the caveat though that this. So, and it's something that you've said before, but I don't know if you mentioned it yet, is that this game doesn't feel competitive, almost. When you're playing, it feels cooperative, but it's not. And that's the trick, is that I like how hard this game is, because we almost play it like we're cheering on and marveling at what each other are doing, and then the game ends and you realize that you have to count up points and it's competitive. So, in that sense, I think that the difficulty is almost kind of, it's kind of a negative in my mind, because... Somebody else, I don't know, it just throws it off for me because it it doesn't feel like it should be this hard if it's if I'm also going to be competing against other people. 
I don't know. No, I had I also had that as one of my dislikes that it didn't feel competitive, but it was a competitive game. It was kind of like a solo exercise, not a lot of player interaction, but you're still competing against everyone. So it was kind of that that mix where I was just like, huh? Now there is a co-op expansion, which we haven't tried yet, but it's supposed to lend to it. Another thing that's, and while I said I really enjoy the escalating kind of powers of the search and the Book of Dead Die, um, if you don't have the player aid, it's it's a hindrance because that's the only way you're going to know what these dice uh, allow you. It's not in the rule book, and it's um, it's only on the player aid. So don't lose your. Oh, so I, it is in the rule book. <laughs> All right. No, scratch one of the, that piece. So, so one of the problems to edit this. to bounce off of that is um, no, don't bounce off that. No, no, to bounce off that, the combinations don't come naturally to me. So I when I, I find myself constantly consulting this throughout the game, even after five or six plays, because when I get like I can't remember what gets me what. I know kind of like okay, search icons get me locations and followers, and Book of the Dead gets me this, but I can't remember what four gets me. Like my because there's so many choices. Four icons gets you two followers, keep one, discard the other, then draw one location, while five gets you draw two followers, keep both, or steal one active follower from another player. I know that sounds simple enough to remember, but now pile on top of that five other things to remember for Book of the Dead, three other things to remember for Search. It's just the combinations for me, I think that in such an easygoing like, dice rolling game, I've got to constantly be consulting this, this thing. No, yeah, for for a game where you don't need to consult the rule book, it it's kind of a wrench that you have to constantly consult it for just this gameplay. <laughs> great, but the um, the action dice, yeah, you de- you definitely need that handy. I thought of a couple of dislikes actually, but they're pretty. Uh, preach it, preach it. <laughs> okay. I hope Richard's so, listening. Oh, I hope not. Sorry, Richard. Okay, so number one. <laughs> is the dice combo bonus. We didn't talk about this, but every player character has a certain combination that if you roll, gives you some mega awesome bonus. So if, and it's it's usually it has three zombies and then two other symbols. So for the athlete example, he has three zombie symbols, one bat and one run. And when he rolls that combo, he can ignore zombie icons and draw two loot, keeping one. So it gives you some big, huge bonus. And I know they probably threw that in there to make it like if you've just rolled a whole bunch of zombies, it kind of saves the day. But I felt like that never happened when we played, and I really wanted it to happen. Yeah, I think it only happened like once for us. And it's just, that's like extreme push your luck because those zombie symbols are hugely negative if you can't get this bonus so yeah i think the only time that we encountered it was if we accidentally rolled it like i don't think anybody went after that because if it goes wrong then you've got a lot of you guys you just added four to five zombies to your board on top of the three you already get (laughs) yeah and i don't know that it's in there so you can try for it because it's not that great of a bonus but uh, I think it's just there to kind of mitigate if you just so happen to have rolled a bunch of zombies, it can kind of be like, oh, silver lining, I also got this combo, but I just didn't see it happen, and it's so prominently featured on the character board, I guess I expected it to happen more often. Well, it's that, it's that movie moment, you know, right. that happens. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is just that the character boards seem like they're cut off. Oh, some know. of them are some of them are a bit wonky, even the, especially the promos. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know which ones of mine are promos. I've kind of just stuffed everything all in the same box, but there was like if you look at the tops of them, like the top of the blood drop symbol is kind of cut off, and it seems like they had a border around the character originally, and it's kind of cut off now. So I don't know if that was a printing problem. But if you're really OCD, it might bother you. Well, that hints at some a few things that we came upon when we were playing is that some of them, and I know that this isn't, this is a small gripe, but it is a gripe, is that some of the symbols are different because they changed some things before this game came out. So there's cards that reference symbols and like name certain actions that aren't named that and don't have those symbols anymore. So you, we actually had to go online to properly play this game because it was referencing things that we didn't know what they were and it's easy to find online and 
I think it's even Lonius who is telling you those answers, so that's good, and that can get fixed in a new printing. But if you pick this game up because you were pumped for it right when it came out, it's not correctly printed in some areas. They did give a couple of reprinted cards when you bought it because I think they caught it early enough, but there are a couple of things. Um, Again, I think it's mainly on the promos where when they were handing out these promos at some point to kind of advertise the game, they had envisioned one symbol being used. And then when they went to determine what they were going to print on the die, um, I believe the the, the publishers the were saying that it just yeah. it didn't make sense to use that for, I don't know, inking or some some reason from a, a publishing Oh, I think standpoint. I know what you're talking about, actually. So they switched I'm, it. I'm looking at the guy board, which was, I think, a promo. And the search symbol is on the dice, like, hands Yes, it is the guy. The guy promo is the, the biggest one. And that was because when we talked to the guy, um, it was actually that promo was handed out Gen Con 2013. So I think it was right before they actually kickstarted the game as kind of a way to drum up uh, interest in it. And that was what they originally envisioned the symbology being. Again, symbolism, Daniel. Symbolism. symbolism. I love Boondock Saints, so I will continue to say symbology. Does anybody sounds- want a bagel? Symbology sounds so much cooler. Um, but yeah, that's what they had envisioned to begin with. And then they switched it as they went to press with it. So, um, Can I also say that in this game, followers are really hard to get and maintain. <laughs> I found at least. Yeah. Um, the game is hard just from the zombie standpoint, but it's also hard because you're trying to balance zombies and still manage to roll dice for followers. And it almost seems like sometimes the onslaught of zombies, you have to focus on that to stay alive or you lose. And you literally are unable to also go for that game winning condition of the followers. Like we had a couple games where I was just happy to be alive, which is fun still. But when the game thematic, very thematic. But when it came to game end and that's what I guess that points back to this should just be a co-op about surviving. But when it because when game end comes and I spend all this time surviving, my board is cleared of zombies. I still lose because I couldn't focus on getting followers. Well, and that leads us right into there are expansions that make this a co-op. Yes, there are currently three expansions for this. And I think they all came with the Kickstarter. Um, I'm not sure if they're selling right now with the the printed version um, because I know they had they had sold out of them quickly, actually. Uh, but you've got the first expansion, which allows you to play up to five or six players, which is cool. And it also adds in the additional zombies you need to play that. Um, then they have the expansion number two, which I forget the name of it, but it brings in three different types of zombies. So the zombies in the base game move normally one space forward. They don't have anything special. But the three zombie types that come into play in the second expansion actually have... Um, varying movement abilities or other special abilities. So I think you've got like the brute or whatever it is. He takes two hits mm-hmm. to kill. You've got the runner, which will move forward two spaces instead of one. And, and the crawler, the, which has to be killed with a bat. Yeah, the crawler can't, can't be, be shot. shot. He has to be he has to be shot with a bat instead of with a gun. <laughs> um, so that that's pretty cool. And then the third one adds in co-op, which we haven't had a chance to play that, but that one even seems hard. So it's it's got some cool replayability, I think. Yeah, nice variability between plays, especially with the different followers, the different locations, the different fleeing effects. Like the card, they give you a lot of cards in this game where really you, you aren't seeing the same things every time, which is very cool. Um, definitely adds variability to each play and makes it um, all the more replayable. So what do you think about comparison to other games? A push-your-luck game is rife with possible comparisons but any like immediate comparisons um i i think of it when i first played it and it it might be because it's also richard lonius but i i thought of elder sign um and that's mainly for the dice mechanics i think but yeah. again those dice mechanics are seen in num- a number of games king of tokyo <laughs> yahtzee um, a bunch of different you know push your luck yeah. dice games so from a from a comparison standpoint, I thought this was, I thought it was unique for the zombie genre. I'm not a big fan of that um, particular style of game, the zombie games. But this one, um, I thought it was pretty cool. I liked what he did. The theme really comes through. So, but as far as comparison, I'm getting ahead of myself as far as the, my my outcome. But um, 
I didn't really, I can't really think of one. Okay. Tiff? Well, I don't think there's a game exactly like this out there, because I, I feel like a lot of those push-your-luck dice games are kind of family games. So this one has a more, like, I don't know, 13-plus kind of feel to it. Like, yeah. I don't think you'd want to play it with little kids, because it, it has blood all over the cards, and it's kind of, the zombies are scary and icky. So, um... It's, it's different in that regard, and I think it's, if you're comparing it to other zombie games, which I've played a lot of, um, there, there aren't too many games that look at it from this point of view, that kind of first player just dealing with zombies in front of you kind of, you know, most of them have, you know, giant modular boards, and you're going from building to building, and it, it's more of like a movement type of game, whereas this is just you versus zombies, what are you going to do? Yeah. But it still does give you that that movement and that travel feel, which I think is really cool because it captures classic zombie feel of running away and it manages to do it just with dice and cards, which is cool. Yeah. It has a smaller footprint than your average zombie game, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. And you could potentially play this without the zombies if you like without the minis, if you wanted to make this a little bit more portable, although I do think it's portable as it stands. But this it's could a easily be small done. Box. Yeah, it could easily be done with tokens, though, if you wanted to. I don't know. I don't know why you would, but it's possible. No, I fit. I fit the base and all three expansions into the base game box. Okay. So, and it's you're going to have to teach box. me how to do that <laughs> carefully. <laughs> Maybe you can teach me how to fit my um, Great Heartland Hauling Company into the box because I can't figure that one out. Deal. I digress. <laughs> Love that game, though. Um, all right, guys, so let's get into kind of our final thoughts. We'll do try-by-pass, but then give me a little bit why. Dan? So if I had to, I'm not a, I'm not a zombie fan. That's, that's well known to people who have gained with me. I really dislike them, and I think the, the, um, the theme is just flooded right now. But I did buy this game uh, at Gen Con. I demoed it, and I really enjoyed the light die mechanic. Um, the theme, as much as I don't like zombies, I really liked how immersive it was. Um, as you guys just pointed out, the first-person perspective of the player board and that kind of physical tension that's presented on your board by just having stacks and stacks of zombie miniatures loaded up in front of you. I love that aspect of it. Um, it's a lot of fun. Light, easy to learn. Um, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. I'm thinking we're going to have to change the name of the segment to, like, try, pass, or regret, since we buy everything. <laughs> I was going to say, most of the games we review, we've already bought, but... Um, but Tiff, but you, you don't regret your purchase. Yeah, no, I don't. I, and you, you talked me into this one, and I, I don't regret it. All right, well, since apparently you're working for 8th Summit, Tiff, what do you think? <laughs> Obviously, I I love this game. It's pretty much one of those games that's designed for me you know i i love the zombie genre and and that whole thing so i'm i'm never tired of those games no matter how many they pump out i try them all um so i like that about it i like that it kind of captures that campy zombie movie tropey feel and push your luck is one of my very favorite mechanics i very rarely win those games but i still keep coming back to them um, I, I recommend it and have recommended it and yeah, everyone should own this if you're not little kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're five, I don't this know is how probably many, not. Don't, don't know how many little kid listeners we have yet, but you don't never know. lunch money on this kids. <laughs> just not yet. Just wait. Okay. So maybe take that out. But Stay my in point, school and don't do drugs. My point is it is like soundly in the horror genre and it's not a family game, but pretty much anyone that likes push your luck games and, and can tolerate the zombie theme would like this game. I think I'd agree. I'm uh, right on the border between buy and try, mainly because Dan owns the game. But I have, after playing it, I legitimately considered buying it anyway because this plays well with two people and this is um, play zombie. Solo too. Play solo too. Yeah. So um, Kelly B, one of our other league members, and my girlfriend, we love the zombie fiction and love like campy zombie stuff so it really seemed like it would fit in our collection so i may actually end up putting this in my next order i talking about this has really kind of 
may reminded me how much I like this game, but um, it's got a few hiccups that most press your luck games have and that the dice don't always go your way. And this game is particularly difficult. But if you're cool with that because you like the challenge, then I really don't think you can go wrong with this game. Now, this retails for what, like forty dollars? It's forty nine or forty four ninety nine on cool stuff right now. Okay, so and that's down from fifty. Yes. Okay. So this game retails for fifty dollars, forty nine ninety nine, and that may be a little bit of a high price point, but it's because you've got those sixty plastic miniatures in there. So that plastic really bumps it up, probably that extra ten bucks for like a forty dollar game. Um, the dice are really well done. All the components are nice. I know Tiff saw like maybe there were some cuts or incorrectly in the in the production for the player boards, but overall you don't really notice that um, unless you're kind of OCD like Tiffany. Um, but everything is really well done. The weird campy artwork is is interesting. Um, and if you're into kind of obscure takes on this theme, I think that it's a, a really kind of cool way to go. And I do think that this stands alone as like a unique zombie themed game. I do not think that there's anything that can you can match up to this. There's other games and other genres or other themes that you could probably make the comparison. But in terms of zombie games, this is a standout. Yeah, uh, the theme is just integrated into every little aspect of it, which is is really cool. Richard, it's kind of Richard did a good job on that. Would you say it's almost like quintessential Ameritrash? Yes, and I mean that in the best possible way because I love Ameritrash games. But like this is dice rolling. It's got great theme integration. Yeah, it's got nice. Yeah, I think that yeah. this is kind of like a good fun game to toss some dice and kill some walkers. Absolutely. All right. So that is our review of Run, Fight, or Die from 8th Summit and Richard Launius. We're going to take a brief break, and then when we come back, we're going to do a wrap-up BGG quiz and test my co-host's knowledge of BGG. So for our final segment, we're going to do something a little fun. We've been trying out some different quiz shows and questions and things, and this will be another take. We're going to do a Board Game Geek quiz where I test my co-host's knowledge of Board Game Geek and all that it holds. So just to tell you how this is going to work, I've got 12 questions here. Most of them are just single answer, but a couple of them, there's multiple answers that will go round robin and try to get you to answer. Um... I'm going to keep track just for my uh, my own sake. I'm going to keep some points to see who's the smarter of the two when it comes to board gaming and BGG. Um, if you get a question wrong, I'll pass it to the other person. They get a chance to steal, you know, just for funsies. And these are simple questions like if I asked, what is currently the number one game ranked on BGG? Dan would say? Twilight Struggle. And he would get a point. And Tiffany would suffer. Oh. Because she didn't get a chance to answer it. Way to go. So, they're going to be a little bit harder, though. So, is everybody ready? Sure. I need to get some dramatic showdown music. I don't know what that was. Like, who wants to be a millionaire stuff? No? All right. Oh, okay. All right, so. Ladies first. Yep. Tiffany, your question is, what is currently the number one game on BGG's hotness list? Well, I just saw this today. <laughs> um, it's one of three games. Well, you so... get one option. <laughs> Crap. I know it. Is it Alchemists? It is Alchemists. Alchemist. Correct. Cheater. Very nice. I did not think y'all would get that. I spend a lot of time on BGG. I We're about to find out about that. Site is so dysfunctional and ugly. All right, well, Dan, you get the next one in this line. Who is currently the number one person on the BGG hotness list? Because there is a person. List. I didn't even know that existed. Well, it does. The number one person? Are yep. these designers? They're yeah, they're ba they're mostly designers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uwe Rosenberg. That's a good try, but that is an. Uh, I don't know. Tiffany. Your guess. Bruno Cathala? That is an excellent guess. 
but it is also incorrect. The number one man, and I say man, on BGG's hotness is Stefan Feld, mm. the man, the myth. So you all get nothing for that. Keeping in that same line, Tiffany comes back to you. The number one company currently on BGG's hotness list. Fancy Flight? Probably the best go-to if you have no idea what the question is. But you are wrong, <laughs> Daniel. Is it American or foreign? You don't get clues. He <laughs> <laughs> never said there were no clues. <laughs> I asked. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I would say Pegasus Spiel. Honorable, but incorrect. It is GMT. Ew. Get out of here. <laughs> it's because all war game people. Ugh. I didn't say it deserved it. I just said it was. Ugh, gross. All right. So that after three questions is currently Tiffany's up one to nothing. You guys need to check out BGG more often. I don't care if it's number one <laughs> in all these lists. The only hotness I ever look at is the games, and it's because it's on my front page. Yeah, it's on the left-hand hey, side. Hey, the other everything. ones are on the front page. You just have to click the button. That's true. Right. It's people okay. and company right there. All right. So this next one is a little bit easier. We're going to go round robin, starting with Dan. Give me one game, not number one, Twilight Struggle, that is in the top two through 11 ranked games. Terra Mystica just hit number three. Terra Mystica is correct. Excellent game. Tiffany, give me one. In the top how many? It's two through 11, so it's the top 10 minus Twilight Struggle. I'm so bad at this. I don't pay attention to it. Agricola? That's number... Three or four. Yeah, Dan now. never gets Are you looking BG at it right now? I swear he's looking at it. I'm not. I'm sitting right next to him. Okay. He is not looking at it, but for someone who doesn't get what on BGG, he awfully knows a lot it of drops. these rankings. Well, because I know things have been going up. I've seen tweets. Agricola is number four. Um, I'm going to say Netrunner. Netrunner is up there. Number six. Tiffany. Puerto Rico still up there? Puerto Rico is up there, number five. Daniel? Through the Ages. Through the Ages is number two. You guys know your BGG games. I used to stare at that list when I was... There are five more remaining, Tiff. You've actually gotten the top one through six. Well, great. Caverna. Number seven, correct. That was my next one. I'm going to put in some real nice... Eclipse. Eclipse, number eight. You guys are getting good at this. Dan's probably looking at my notes. I can't see anything. <laughs> I feel like he's cheating for someone who's never on Board Game Geek. Okay. I used to stare at that list a lot. Are there any left? There are three more. We've gone through eight, two through eight. And these are popular games. These aren't obscure. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just can't think. I mean... I'm going to guess every Uwe Rosenberg game ever. How about La Havre? That is incorrect. Damn it. Pass to Dan. I don't like the tip of my tongue. I'm just like... That is not a game on the top list. Yeah, tip of my tongue is not up tip there. Tip of my tongue is not on that hotness, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm going to say... Galaxy Trucker. I'm sorry, that is incorrect, and that will end this question. That's fine. The remaining Aww. three... I don't like that game anyways. The <laughs> remaining three are Mage Knight, oh. Power Grid, oh. and Castles of Burgundy. In order. Is 9, 10, and 11. So a Chivato, a Freeze, and a Feld. Makes sense. Alright. Tiffany, back over to you. What is currently... The lowest ranked game on BGG with a ranking. There's a what? lot of games on BGG. Like, oh my gosh, that is so hard. It is currently ranked ten thousand one hundred and twentieth. It has a ranking of three point one, and you know this game. No, you've been playing it since you were a child. Monopoly. I thought it was my turn. It's not your turn, Dan. <laughs> I will guess the game of life. That is an excellent try, but you are incorrect. Daniel, your chance to steal. Monopoly. 
wrong. Tic-tac-toe is the currently the <laughs> lowest ranked game on BGG at 10,120. There, there is so much skill in tic-tac-toe. If you are an adult and you play tic-tac-toe and you don't end in a stalemate, you are dumb. Dan. Actually, this will be for both of you. But uh-huh. Dan gets the first. So this is closest without going over. Currently, how many games are in the BGG database? Price is right rules? Price is right rules, according to their drop-down menu. I'm going to say 58,302. 58,302. Tiff? More than that. Well, then go 58,303. Oh, no, I want the showcase. 65,000. Tiff will take this one because there are currently... 73,035 games in the BGG database. I've played like 102 of them. (laughs) You're getting there. (laughs) Tiff owns like 500 of them. Only 70,000 more. (laughs) I'll just build my house out of board games at that point. That's ridiculous. All right, Tiff. How there are three tabs actually on BGG. BGG, not just BGG, but the the Game Geek system is three tabs together. What are they? Oh, so RPG Geek and Video Game Geek. You are correct. There's a fourth BGG Con. And, well, I didn't count that one. I win. But I'll give you a point for that, Dan. <laughs> oh, this is crap. Why not? <laughs> Dan, how much is a geek badge? A geek badge. Oh, I always get these confused. A micro badge. A micro, sorry, sorry, okay, sorry. How much say, is a micro badge? Like I apologize. Badge yes. Like Uber geek and yeah. uh, eight geek gold. That is correct. <laughs> Tiff, did you buy your Rhino Hero geek badge? I don't know. I can't remember. I feel like I might have. When you do, how many uh, micro badges can you fit on your avatar profile? Mm. At the bottom. Okay, I'm thinking about how many I have. <laughs> how many can you squeeze in there? You get so many slots to put them in. Five. That is correct. Dan, when BGG goes down for maintenance or other reasons, what do they force you to watch? Is it that game night thing they do? It is that awful game night show. <laughs> I've never watched it. How can you say it's awful then? I have watched it because I'm a real addict, but... <laughs> I have watched it because I have nothing else to do. I've never watched it, honestly. So after 10 questions, you guys are tied 7 to 7. Oh, yeah. The 11th question goes to Tiffany. Tiffany, where... (laughs) This is a potential two points. Where and when is BGG Con this year? I just need a state for where. Texas. Okay, there's one point. November. Well, I need dates for that. Um, let me look at my calendar. Dan is going to it. So I know I that's not a fair <laughs> oh, question. I'm registered for. That's it. why I gave Whether you I the question too. Whether I'm going or not is debatable. It's like the twentieth through the twenty-third. That is awfully close. Damn. That's it. Thanksgiving, I think. No, it's not. Dan? Thanksgiving is the twenty seventh. I think it's the I think it's the week before that. I think it's the fourteenth or something like that. Fourteenth through the seventeenth. That's your guess? Yeah. I think I'm gonna have to give Tiff a point on this because it's actually the nineteenth okay. through the twenty third. She said the twentieth. And I think that's respectable. Is it really the nineteenth? Hmm. Yep, you might need to check into that. I have <laughs> it's coming a, up soon. I haven't booked a flight. <laughs> and Dan, you'll get the finest. Final question of our BGG quiz. Who is the mascot of Board Game Geek? Who? Yeah, what is his name? He has a name? Tiffany, who's the mascot of Board Game Geek? I know that he has a name. I just can't remember what it is. Um... Max Hedrum. (laughs) Oh, crap. Oh. Is it like a regular name or is it a regular old name? Board game Bob. That's a good guess. Tiff? I I have no idea. I have no idea. The mascot of BGG is named Ernie. I knew it started with an E. Board game Ernie. Board game Ernie. 
He has very few friends. Except for board game Bert. Board game Bert! <laughs> <laughs> Touche. All right. And that is the final question of the BGG quiz, which means that our tallies are... Dan with seven whole points. And Tiffany, our resident BGG expert, with nine. I'd like to say that she did get a two-point question. <laughs> she did. She. Did. It was a two-point question about something that you are attending and I am not. I but, should get a bonus. Well, so you point. had the opportunity to steal from her. Uh, Dallas, Texas, not just Texas. And you guys passed up on three points that were not named in the BG Top Ten. All right, everyone. So that is the final segment for today's episode, episode six of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. We thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Please join us again next week when we get into another discussion topic. And for now, we can all say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. If you're enjoying the content or have comments and suggestions, feel free to reach out to us on social media or shoot us an email at podcasts at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can also support the show with iTunes reviews and hearts on board game links. As always, swing by nonsensicalgamers.com for up-to-date news, reviews, Kickstarter previews, and gaming-related blogs. Until next time. <laughs> I, I didn't do anything. There was... It sounded like you were tearing sheets of paper out yeah. of a book. Were you recycling? No. I'm just sitting here. Stop recycling. Screw the planet. <sighs> Tiffany, stop breathing like you're thumbing through a book. Stop thumbing through your breath. I don't know that... Are you crying? Yep. Okay, well, be quiet about yeah. it. Could you at least blow your nose <laughs> off mic? There's a mute button right down at the bottom.